This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is Patty Montague, the CEO of the School Nutrition Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council, selling American corn, sorghum, barley, and co-products to buyers around the world every day. Federal nutrition standards and compliance with new regulations has become a flashpoint in Washington between some members of Congress and the Obama administration. We'll hear from Patty Montague, CEO of the School Nutrition Association, after this from the U.S. Grains Council. Global markets are an incredible challenge as well as an opportunity. You simply cannot overstate the importance of boots on the ground speaking the local language and understanding local political and regulatory constraints. That's what the U.S. Grains Council does. The explosive food demand is in developing countries where a growing middle class is moving to first world quality diets. But as we look at those markets, the volatility is extraordinary. The U.S. Grains Council is out there 24-7 establishing relationships, building trust, and opening doors for corn, sorghum, barley, and their co-products. And that translates into economic gains for farmers in the United States. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Our guest this week is Patty Montague, CEO of the School Nutrition Association. Debate over school nutrition standards has become a serious issue of contention in the House and the Senate over whether some school districts should be allowed a waiver from advanced nutrition standards from the Obama administration. Members of the School Nutrition Association have concerns with tighter standards for sodium content and higher percentages of whole grains in school meals. The mandated meals may be healthier, but some students won't eat them. Patty Montague says members of the SNA care about child nutrition, but need flexibility from the rigid standards supported by some members of Congress and First Lady Michelle Obama. Our members are really dedicated to feeding kids across this country, as they have had for, for more than 70 years now. And, you know, we believe in healthy eating. And, you know, we support the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act, but the regulations are just making it very, very difficult for many of them to implement. And so we're looking for some relief and some flexibility so that we can get the numbers and participation back up to where it used to be and help grow it. And so the kids are eating these healthy meals in schools. How did the SNA feel about the administration's plans, uh, about the Congress plans uh, to change school nutrition? How did you feel about those when they were first introduced? Uh, we supported them. Uh, we're about healthy foods, healthy eating. Uh, of course, we, we, we support the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act, but the law that gets passed and the regulations that come out are, are two different things. And even back to our comments in 2011 that we put in uh, in response to the proposed rule, we did raise some uh, red flags of things we saw that was going to have a uh, going to be a problem implement, implementing the standards across the country. And um, you know, in hindsight, you go back and look at that. Many of the things that we said were going to happen have been happening. Some would say a step in the right direction, and then some would say a step too far. Obviously, there were concerns over uh, the amount of sodium, the amount of calories, and the amount of whole grains, and I think variety was a part of that. How has how has the the, the regulations helped to expand uh, the education of nutrition along with feeding kids, and how is that also kind of becoming a hindrance now? 
Well, I think it obviously introducing kids to more foods, different foods, variety, more fruits and vegetables and grains, and it's wonderful. It's just it's the pace of the change and also having to take into consideration the geographic and regional differences across this country. And also, you know, feeding kids and starting out feeding healthy kids in elementary school versus in high school. You're almost educating the parents along the way because in my house, we don't serve Brussels sprouts. It's just not something that's common on the menu. But as you introduce these foods, hopefully you expand the borders and the mindset of the children that may change their nutritional habits later in life. Oh, absolutely. And we hear wonderful stories from our members about how, you know, kids who are eating some new and different fruits and vegetables, who then when the parents come in, whether it's for back-to-school night or, you know, they have an open uh Parents come to the cafeteria, uh, have lunch with your uh, child day, and they see what these kids are eating. And, and, you know, we just hear these wonderful stories, and, and it's great, and we support that. It's just that the pace of change and the cost to implement all of this uh, is really having an impact on these programs. Some of the regulations are mandates. They are mandates in what you can serve and how you can serve it. They are force-fed to folks of your association. How is that a hindrance? Well, it, it just clearly and, and very defines in first for our members to get reimbursed. You know, these are entitlement programs. And so, you know, if a, a child or a student does not take the full part of the meal, then they do not get reimbursed. And we hear stories from our members, you know, high school students, they're going to be a 6'5 football player, and he doesn't want that fruit and vegetable. And so, you know, that cashier has got to get all those kids through the line, and he walks away or he takes it and then throws it out. But if he doesn't take the fruit or vegetable, she cannot count it as a reimbursable meal, and then they don't get reimbursed. And these are just very difficult, uh, you know, to put these things in place and to assure it. And then, of course, that ends up costing the district money. And that's just one example, but we hear, you know, it's it's happening across the country. As I understand, if you comply six cents more per meal, that's not a lot of money. No, it's not. Um, I think the original estimates were 10 or 11 cents, and we've heard anywhere estimates for members uh, initially was costing them anywhere from 15 to 30 cents uh, more. And, you know, these are really small margins in school nutrition, and with food prices going up across the board, I mean, I even see it myself when I'm out grocery shopping for my own family, the increase in, in produce, vegetables, and across the board in foods. And so it's hard for a school district, especially at these times, uh, where, you know, families and school districts in the whole country are still struggling. Help me understand, or at least if you could explain from the perspective of those who say these standards are putting their school systems in red ink, and they're asking for a year flexibility. A lot of people don't understand these are self-sustaining programs, and yes, they get federal reimbursements. Uh, some states do give reimbursements, but you know there's not a lot there to work with. And I think you know if you look at the total federal reimbursements, you're looking around you know two ninety-three, three dollars. If there's some state reimbursement money, and you know after you take out food, labor, and overhead costs, you have about a dollar left produce the food. And if, you know, the counts are down, kids, paid meal kids aren't buying, even reduced, uh, we see the kids who get the uh, reduced and free lunches maybe not participating. And then, the, you know, they can't meet their, uh, they're not producing enough revenue to cover the expenses. And so what happens then, they are not allowed to carry a debt over into the next year. And so then they have to dip into the general fund for a school district. 
And at times when you read across, you know, schools across the country are struggling with increased costs to, to educate kids. And so that takes away dollars then from the school district to buy books, computers, um, and enhance the education programs of the local community school districts. Some of the restrictions, I think, have raised question. For example, whole grains. And I know that there were, uh, there is a progression of working toward more whole grains in, in the diet and into meals. I'm told by some school administrators you can't comply because the manufacturers don't have, for example, a 100% whole grain noodle that they could use. And we and we hear about that. Uh, we hear stories across the country, and of course, you know, then you hear about uh, pasta and how whole wheat pasta uh, the kids aren't accepting. And I mean, one of my uh, members told me they've tried it 20 times uh, to introduce it, and the kids just won't eat it. And so it's a real challenge. And whether it's pasta or tortillas or grits or um, or biscuits, um, it's just hard. You know, kids families serve um, certain foods, and it's wonderful to introduce new foods, but to expect that everybody's going to go um, and want whole grain, um, and maybe it's a little bit unrealistic very quickly, too. Let's talk for just a moment about some of the things, and let's go to the whole grains. Uh, there, is, there is, again, a progression. We're at one particular level right now, but as I understand, uh, effective uh, just in a few days, the requirement goes to 100%. How That's do you feel right. about that? Well, that's what we're asking for to retain at the 50% level. Uh, you know, again, we hear from our members that talk about the kids who don't want to eat that whole wheat tortilla or don't want to have only whole wheat bread. There's kids who, you know, that means there'll be no more rye, rye bread in schools or there'll only be whole wheat pasta. And again, at a time when participation numbers are down uh, and schools are looking to increase participation, we just think it's going to be another uh, barrier to get participation back up to the levels that we'd like to see it at. Going back to the phrase of a step in the right direction, what was target one for sodium reduction and what are the next targets? Well, it's over a three-year progression. And, um, you know, we are fine with the level one sodium target, but if you talk to any nutritionist, and I'm not a nutritionist, and they tell me when you get to level three, that that uh, sodium level is what they're currently uh, serving to patients who uh, have renal failure in hospitals today. And so, you know, you have to look at the palate and what kids and what families and what people are used to eating. And I hear from uh, manufacturers it's going to be very difficult to um, continue to produce foods that are, are tasty and that people are going to eat when it gets down to that level. I see that you favor the requirement to offer a variety of fruits and vegetables. But how do you feel about the mandate? Well, you know, we say offer versus um, serve, and we we think that's best. I mean, the kids who like fruits and vegetables, if they're going to eat them, um, we think this will help with the cost and cut down on the waste. That, um, again, it lets schools to have the variety they want to have and give. I mean, we hear based from our members that used to serve and cut up kiwis and strawberries. They can't do that anymore because of labor that's involved. Um, and so they're turning to have to give, you know, whole apples or whole bananas or whole pears. And, you know, we're all for serving fruits and vegetables. We just want some flexibility so that they can serve the variety that they want and that the kids are going to eat. I believe that there are some in this debate that believe it is all or nothing. You comply with the whole letter of the law and complete all of the targets with regard to nutrition, or if you don't, then we're not providing healthy meals and nutrition for our kids. How do you feel about that? 
Well, that's why we're looking for some flexibility. Again, when the regulation is put out there, if the schools do not follow the regulation, then they will not get the reimbursement. And so that's why we're looking for some flexibility. And again, we think it allows uh, more time uh, to introduce kids to healthier foods and, you know, again, to introduce and educate them about uh, healthy eating for a lifetime. When some of the states saw the regulations that were coming, they went ahead on their own and changed their standards. Their state governments made changes. Their school districts started to make changes. And for them, I think compliance now, uh, they're better suited to, to comply to the new federal rules. Others perhaps didn't, and others now are facing the uphill climb. For those who made preparation, they don't see the need for flexibility, but for the others who are running red ink and dipping into the general fund, they're looking for, uh, they're looking some recourse from Washington that would give them some breathing room. And how do you respond to, to those who are just adamantly opposed to any flexibility at all? You know, one of the things that, that makes school nutrition such a great, uh, community of professionals is, you know, they all know what it's like to work and work with kids and um, work in the environment and be part of the system and the school district. And so, you know, for those that are, that are not struggling, I would only say that we'd hope that they would support those uh, in their local communities or local district to help get them there. And everyone is different. Every school district is different. Um, and so we need to just look at it that way. But you're not saying never comply. You're just saying allow a period of time to transition. Absolutely. Yes. I feel the statement that those who support this 100% or nothing, I feel like their impression is that if you don't do this exactly to the letter of the law, then you and the members of your association are not doing your job. Again, I would hope that they would recognize it's not that they these school districts or these uh, school nutritionists don't want to do it. It's just that, you know, in their their area, their local school district, that they're having problems. And so um, no one, you know, wants to see anyone lose money, uh, food thrown out. And so I would hope that they would be supportive of, of uh, their fellow professionals. Do you have any information that shares how much waste, I mean, is there any way to measure what goes from the tray to the trash can? There's been different studies. One, um, researchers from Cornell found that a mandate to serve a fruit or vegetable with each school results in nearly a 100% increase in the amount of produce be, being thrown in the trash um, and an estimate of $684 million a year. Um, and we calculate that's enough to uh, feed another 220 million students. So, um, you know, kids shouldn't be taught to take more than they plan to eat. Are there things more that, that you would want people to know? Do you have your minute and a half, your two-minute elevator speech about this debate that's going on that, that you would want to share? The School Nutrition Association, is, you know, the members and the people that work in schools, you know, they're the salt of the earth. They probably have one of the hardest jobs of, of, of people who work um, in schools today. And, you know, they're not about gutting the program. They're very, very passionate and, and they really, really care about the kids. And, you know, you hear these stories from them, um, on a regular basis that they need relief. And, um, you know, they're just looking some, for some help. And, you know, we're all for healthy eating and providing good food and nutrition. And so, you know, we just want to have some sensible changes that are going to help them get there. Debate on the issue appears to be focused in congressional consideration of the fiscal year 2015 budget proposal for the USDA and the FDA. 
The legislation was pulled from the House floor until GOP leadership issues could be resolved. It is likely the flexibility waivers may not be considered till after stronger regulatory standards are in place. You've been listening to AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council, selling American corn, sorghum, barley, and co-products to buyers around the world every day. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dowling.